your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. That's where we'll be today, Matthew chapter 10, beginning around verse 16 of the Gospel of Matthew 10. Um, I do want to encourage you tonight not just to play hooky since we're not having church or any activities up here. I still would love to see you at Woodridge Baptist Church. It's out on Burt Coons, just past uh, 3132 in the overpass right there, not too far from the Auto Mall, not too far from Highland Hospital, if you know where any of that is. But uh, it is an annual event that our Baptist Association holds, and uh, we get together with uh, other Baptist churches, and there's music, and there's short devotionals, and there's times of dedicated prayer. And uh, a lot of pastors in this area have been tasked with praying over a specific thing. And so uh, I'll be one of the, the uh, one of those that will be uh, praying during that event. It starts at 6 p.m. And I really would love to see as many of you there as possible. Also, don't forget, towards the end of service, if uh, we can maybe grab a couple of youth volunteers that will meet you back there uh, in the lobby. If you're interested in getting in a chance on this swing, handcrafted and handmade by none other than Billy Taylor, one of our own members. Uh, he put a lot of hard work and effort into that. And I believe it'd be a great addition to your porch or to your home. And it goes to a great cause. It goes to the new building fund. And those tickets are available. Uh, and we'll have some uh, youth back there in the back that will have those. Catch 22. There are times in life where you get in one of these situations where you're in a catch 22 and, and you don't really know exactly how to respond and, and you feel pulled maybe in a couple of directions and you think, I don't know really what I need to do in this situation. I think we've all faced catch-22s. And so today I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, where some would say there, there appears to be a conflict in the instructions that Jesus gives his followers. Some would say this seems to be contradictory. But I want you to see that actually it's not a conflict, and it is a great great way to live that Jesus told his followers. So if you have your copy there of God's word, Matthew 10, verse 16, words will be up on the screen. Would you stand in reverence of the reading? Jesus says, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as harmless as doves because people will hand you over to sanhedrins and flog you in their synagogues beware of them you will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the nations but when they hand you over don't worry about how or what you should speak for you will be given what to say at that hour because you are not speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will even rise up against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. When they persecute you in one town, escape to another. For I assure you, you will not have covered the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple 
to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? In other words, they accused Jesus of being of a demon, then how much more would those followers be persecuted and talked about and profaned and slandered because of the name of Jesus? Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word. Move in this place by your Holy Spirit that, God, you would hide me behind that old rugged cross and that today you would open the ears and open the hearts of the people that we would not only, though, be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. You call us to action. You call us to make a change, to do something, to make a difference. And so don't let us just sit, soak, and sour. Help us to get up, get out, and make a change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What an interesting teaching that Jesus gives his followers here in Matthew 10. And he uses what's called a simile. You might have... Uh, you might remember that from English class, a simile. That's a figure of speech that is used oftentimes to compare two unlike things. To compare two unlike things. Uh, so when he says there that we, the people are like, like sheep, he is making a simile there. He, he's not saying we have the characteristics of the sheep, but he is saying that we're to be like sheep he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. He's making a comparison to the people of the culture being like wolves. And so we see that. And then he goes on to talk about being as wise as serpents. That's a simile. And as peaceful or as harmless as doves. So let's just break this down for a moment. Wolves, we all know, are predators. And we know that sheep, because they're, uh, they're a little slow, uh, both physically and maybe maybe mentally, uh, they're easy pickings. They're easy prey. For any type of animal that's a predator, sheep are very easy to pick on. And he says that his followers are like sheep among wolves. And so there's a, there's a flag there, a red flag, that he's warning us that we have an enemy. We have one who is praying after us, praying as in P-R-E-Y, not P-R-A-Y. And we need to be aware that like sheep among wolves, we should live in such a way to be on guard. We should live in such a way that there's an enemy after your family, there's an enemy after your church, there's an enemy after your country, there's an enemy after your faith, there's an enemy after your friends. And when you live with the, uh, the alert in mind that you are a sheep and you are among wolves, you'll kind of be on guard. You'll kind of prepare yourself and you'll be on, on guard and be on high alert to the attacks of the culture. Now notice that Jesus references there a lot of persecution. He talks about a time of intense persecution where the government would hammer down. The government would come after the Christians. He talks about people being turned over to the synagogues. He talks about brother turning against brother. He talks about children turning against their parents. And in the end times, you and I understand, hopefully if you've studied the Bible, and even more specifically the book of Revelation, you know that in the end, the persecution gets maxed out. The persecution uh, goes, grows exponentially 
and the persecution will be very intense. We're just seeing hints. Don't get it twisted. We're just seeing hints and little pockets of persecution. But I will tell you that persecution against Christianity is happening. It happens in many ways. It happens through the media, through television shows and movies that make fun of Christians and make Christians uh, look real uh, either like bullies or bigots, racist, homophobes, whatever it may be, to where they can portray Christians as something that nobody likes, public enemy number one, right? But it also happens through government sanctions and government rulings. You'll remember back in the, the, the days of uh, COVID that we're still living under, that during the lockdown, there were pastors in Louisiana, in Louisiana, that got arrested uh, because they were not obeying the order. Now, what's interesting is uh, one of those pastors in particular was able to find an attorney that showed that the state of Louisiana had ruled certain businesses as essential and allowed gatherings of large groups and a lot of people in the Home Depots, the Lowe's, and golly, can you believe it, the liquor stores? And, and because they were, deemed, they were deemed essential in the Walmart and in other places, they were deemed essential, but yet the churches were not. And so this particular pastor down in Baton Rouge uh, found him a Philadelphia lawyer, as they used to say, and, uh, and he was able to prove through documentation of the governor's order that there was contradictions in that. But let me just tell you this. Don't get it twisted. The government has come after Christian pastors before COVID. In fact, not too far from here, to our neighbor and in, in, uh, in, uh, just above us, Canada, there have been a handful of pastors arrested because Canada has a new law that governs hate speech. And it says that pastors cannot preach on certain subjects uh, because it's hate. It's hate speech, and it directs hate towards certain groups of people that cannot be discriminated against. And so ironically, one Sunday, just to the north of us in Canada, not in Europe, not in China, not in Iran, but in Canada, where your little, your little flamboyant boy, uh, Justin Trudeau, is the prime minister, uh, a pastor preached out of Romans chapter 1 and just read it verse by verse and talked about those who have an attraction to the same sex. But he's reading out of Romans chapter 1. He did not give a commentary on it. He did not say go out and find those that are attracted to the same sex. He didn't talk anything, specific threats, but he was arrested. Now, some would say, yeah, but Brother Chad, you're not telling the whole story. He got released later that day. Let me tell you something. Come and arrest me and book me and put my photo in there and let me out the same day. I'm still going to be upset about it. It's still a sad commentary on our society that will allow drug dealers and others that are committing felonious acts to go free, but a pastor to be arrested and booked and has a future court date. And if you want a future court date, I'll give them away. They're free. I don't want to have to go to court. I don't want to have to go through that process. And no pastor in Canada or in the United States of America or anywhere in this world should have to be detained, arrested, because he preached the Bible. That's happening. See, I know some of you are in denial. You get, you're the proverbial ostrich with its head in the sand. You don't see it, and so therefore it doesn't exist. It doesn't, it doesn't directly affect you. You think. You think. You say, well, it doesn't directly affect me. Oh, it will. If it's not right now, it will. And so Jesus references a time where this persecution will start happening. Why? Because you're sheep among wolves. The culture does not like you. 
The culture does not like people of faith because you have morals, you have standards, you have virtues. You see hold society to a higher standard. And those in the culture don't want to be held to a higher standard. They want you to lower the bar so that anybody and everybody can get in. And so the remnant of Christians that still exist in the United States of America and the remnant of Christians that still exist in the world hold people accountable. And they don't like it. They don't like it. And the big thing right now is acceptance and tolerance. They want to be accepted and they want to be tolerated. And they even want to be put on a platform and, and propped up. But listen to me. He says that there would come a time where there would be persecution and that Christians would be public enemy number one. It, it's happening in small pockets, I admit. But he says because of that, if that's the reality of the situation you're in, then therefore be wise as serpents. Now, I know it's interesting to many of us because we think about back to Genesis. And we think about the days of creation in the Garden of Eden and the serpent who deceived Eve. And we think of the serpent as the one being punished to be on his belly. And we think of the serpent as a symbol a symbol, just a symbol, of evil. And, and many of you don't like snakes, and I don't like snakes. I, we ain't going to handle those snakes up in this church. Hello, somebody. <laughs> but it's interesting to me that Jesus uses a simile and says, be as wise as serpents. So check this out. When Jesus said, be as wise as serpents, did you know that in a snake's sinus cavity, they have an organ called the Jacobson organ? Now, they're not the only reptile that has that, but the Jacobson or, uh, organ is very interesting because it allows snakes to sense through that Jacobson organ. They can smell threats. They can smell certain things that you cannot hear, that you cannot see, that you cannot feel. But because of that, that's why they're constantly, I'm going to see what this that's why they're sticking that tongue out. They are sensing, they are smelling, they are, they are very shrewd, very shrewd, and they are sensing the, the, the temperature. They're sensing, the, in fact, there's, there's, there's been a lot of studies on this Jacobson's organ, and the best illustration that I saw was to compare it uh, to, to, uh, uh, <clears throat> to compare it to the, the light that can pick up on things that you and I can't see, that that Jacobson's organ allows that snake to literally sense something that to your eyes you can't see, to your ears you can't hear, but because of that keen sense of smell, that snake can detect things. And so therefore, snakes, watch this, are distinguishers. They can distinguish. They can sense whether this is a threat or whether this is not a threat. And so as a distinguisher, Jesus was saying, be as wise as serpents in this generation and in this culture which you live in. So to distinguish something is a very interesting spiritual gift. It comes from discernment. When you're able to discern the difference between right and wrong. And when you're able to discern that this is not a good place for me to be in. When you're able to discern this is not a good conversation I need to have. When you're able to discern someone's heart and you sense something from that person that either gives you a warning or gives you a peace about it. Jesus said in the end times you would need this. It would be crucial to you being victorious. It would be crucial to you living the Christian life to be able to distinguish, to be able to sense. In fact, if any of you lacks wisdom, then you're supposed to, you're supposed to do what it says in James chapter 1, verse 5. Look at this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. So when you're in that situation, 
when you're having that conversation, when you're in that relationship, and you don't know which way to turn. You don't know what to do. You are supposed to, in that situation, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. You'll pray in that situation, in that circumstance, for God, I need to know. Do I make this purchase? Do I have this conversation? Do I hold this person accountable? Do I go to my boss? Do I, you know, it, it, that discernment that you need, being wise as serpents, being able to distinguish, being able to discern what I'm supposed to do. Charles Spurgeon said this. I thought this was interesting. He said, discernment is not just determining the difference between right and wrong. It's determining the difference between right and almost right. And you know that's where cults get many of their biggest recruits from. Because they say just enough that you would agree with. They say just enough that you've heard in Sunday school. They say stuff that you've heard or sang in songs just enough to make you go, I agree with that. And then before you know it, you are a member of a cult, a group of people that teach false doctrine, that rope you in through manipulation, through brainwashing, and they can literally distort the truth, and you won't even know it. Because they say just enough that you agree with. But if you see, it goes back to that discernment, that distinguishing. If you know in your heart there's something wrong about this teaching, there's something wrong about this person, there's something. If you have that discernment, that distinguishing, it will help you in those situations. It will get you out of that. But remember, anything that you're facing, a purchase, a career change, a relationship issue, remember the principle of James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who will give generously. He ain't a stingy God. You say, that's not good English. I say, well, it's great theology. He ain't stingy. He's very generous. He wants to give. He wants to bless. He wants to save. That's who he is. But then Jesus not only says be wise as serpents, he says be harmless as doves. Or peaceful in your translation, perhaps. Dove. Now this is real interesting. To parallel a dove, one of the most peaceful, one of the sweetest little birds that you'll ever see, very innocent looking, to have that parallel with a serpent, with a snake, it's quite an interesting analogy. And some would say, it's a conflict. There's something wrong with this analogy. No, it's not. Because watch this. As you have that wisdom, and, and as you're wise as a serpent is wise or shrewd, then you also can be as harmless or peaceful as a dove. Think about it this way. Just as Noah, you remember after the flood, when Noah's ark, that story uh, you'll remember after the flood, Noah sent out doves to determine if there was earth, if there was ground, or is the earth all covered with water still. And when the dove would come back without anything, he would know that dove was not able to land, that dove was not able to seek refuge. But when the dove came back and he had the olive branch, that was the sign that the, the waters were now receding, that there was ground, that there was land, and that, that, that uh, the dove was able to find refuge in a tree or on the ground and so that was the sign and that has become the symbol of peace and so listen to me our job as Christians is not to bring conflict you know there's a difference between conflict and conviction and how many of you know that listen sometimes you don't have to say anything and convict somebody 
Sometimes just your very presence. Sometimes, I, I've even had somebody say to me before, we were, they, they were doing the majority of the talking, we were having a conversation. I hadn't said a word other than the, the, the Curtis, the, uh, you know, the Curtis, mm-hmm, oh, you don't say. And that's all I was doing. And at one point they went, well, I can see you don't agree with me. Well, why would you, why would you, what, what, what did I say that gave you the, well, you didn't say anything. It's just the way you're listening. <laughs> the way I'm listening? Good gracious alive. Well, I'll just stop listening then, you know. And then you can tell me whether I agree with you or not if I'm not listening. Because apparently they're able to tell me that. I'm going to tell you, your presence sometimes in certain situations will convict people. I, I love to be in the workplace and someone let a word slip. And they go, oh, I'm sorry. Who, who are you apologizing to? I, I, I don't mean to cuss in front of you. Well, okay. Well, who, 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 who can you cuss in front of? You know? And, and listen, don't, don't get it twisted. I mean, I, I've been known to say a few choice words. That not everything that comes out of this mouth is from the book of Psalms. Hello? <laughs> it's just interesting how people will apologize for certain conversations or things that they say. And they'll say, well, I know you're a preacher. Okay, and? And? <laughs> it's interesting how because of you remaining in this culture, as long as there's a Christian presence in this culture, our Christian presence serves as accountability and conviction. But it is not your job to bring conflict. We're supposed to be as wise as serpents, but as harmless or peaceful as a dove. We are actually supposed to be people of peace. And how many of you know that the majority of the Baptist churches in America have split from one congregation to another? How many of you know that Baptists and Christians in general are known for the fight and are known for the conflict? We've addressed this numerous times about how that should not be because the devil uses that against us and it affects our witness out there when we're not unified in here. Now, unity, right, is one thing. Differences are another. We're going to have differences, but they don't have to lead to division. You like Neapolitan, and you're weird. I like chocolate, and I'm blessed. And Rocky Road is my favorite. And some of you like sherbet. That ain't even ice cream. You're weird. But you know what? Your weirdness makes us an island of misfit toys. And your weirdness can bring us together. And my weirdness and your weirdness is really fun together. Amen? And so we can have differences. They don't have to be divisive. Your role as a Christian in the church and in the lost community is not to bring conflict, but it's to bring conviction. And you sometimes don't have to say anything, so don't worry. In fact, Jesus told you that when you're called on the carpet, don't worry about what you're going to say because in that hour, the words will be given to you. Now, some of you want the speech a day in advance. Some of you want to know the speech Days in advance so you can study it. And that's not how this works in faith. In faith, you step out before knowing where that next step will take you. And so when Jesus said, don't worry about what to say in those situations, it will be given to you in that hour, you'll know exactly what to say. There is a time, 
of persecution coming that will make our current situation look very comfortable. And I want you to be prepared for those days because for too long we've grown complacent. We've taken it for granted, the First Amendment to the Constitution. We've taken it for granted, the right to assemble. We've taken it for granted that we can uh, call ourselves Baptists, that we can uh, govern ourselves accordingly as, as a body of believers. We've taken a lot of that stuff for granted, and it is going to change. Did you know that in Mexico, for a church to be registered as, as a church, they have to make an agreement with the government of Mexico? They have to enter into a contract with the Mexican government about the right to exist as a church. And only Catholic churches are able to have that distinction in Mexico. Now, there are other faiths in Mexico, but they're not registered and accepted as churches by the Mexican government. And so can you imagine a time in the United States of America where a certain denomination is the only approved denomination? And a time where... Uh, they won't care about separation of church and state. They'll just come in and, and, and intercept and, and, and change everything based on the government. I'm telling you, those days are coming. It may not be this week. It may not be this month. It may not be this year. But it's coming, and I want you to be prepared for that. So Jesus goes on to say, be peaceful like that dove. Be harmless like that dove. My grandmother used to say, you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. I would say, Granny B, who wants to catch flies? <laughs> kind of a weird saying, if you ask me. But, but her whole point was, be sweet, be kind, be courteous. How many of you know that kindness goes a long way? How many of you know that, that kindness is missing? Kindness is almost like a dodo bird. It stinks. Kindness is almost like Bigfoot. It comes out every once in a while, and they do a whole TV show on it, but you still don't know if it really exists. And every picture we have of kindness is kind of fuzzy. I mean, we got high-definition cameras, and all you got is some blurred image that looks like a paint blot, an ink blot on a sheet of paper. We can't do better than that. Kindness is like that Bigfoot. Rarely seen. Rarely seen. And we need to show it more. And you know where, where the lost world ought to see it? Christians. Don't, he mentions there, like the dove being of peace, there will, he mentions when you go from one town and you're not accepted, go on to the next town. That can be about a relationship. That can be about a certain situation. You don't want to camp somewhere too long where you're not welcome. Anybody see the movie Deliverance? But uh, you, you don't want to stay somewhere. You don't want to stay somewhere for too long because the longer you stay there, if you're not welcome, things will happen to cause you to leave. Jesus said, leave that town and go on to another. Don't try and plant seeds in infertile soil for too long. Find some other soil and then go plant more seeds. Jesus said, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It's not a conflict. It's not a catch-22. He is saying that in this current day that we live in, we have to have that wisdom. We have to be able to distinguish. We have to have discernment. And we need to be peaceful. We need to be known as people of peace because we've met the prince of peace. We don't need to be rebel rousers and always causing conflict and division and being so divisive. So 
It's not a contradictory statement. In fact, it is a great recommendation for how we're supposed to live. We must be aware that there's an enemy. If you're not aware that there's an enemy, if you're not aware that you're sheep among wolves, then you've already lost half the battle. You're fighting from behind. You're three touchdowns behind and time is ticking. If you don't know that there's an enemy, if you think this culture likes you, if you think that the world likes Christians and Christianity, you've lost. You've lost half the battle. You are fighting from behind. The Apostle Paul had a great strategy when it came to witnessing, and I want to read that to you as I close. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. This is an amazing evangelism strategy. An amazing evangelism strategy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22, To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I'm going to save them all. Become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. In your strategy, in your approach, be wise as serpents, as peaceful and harmless as doves, and bear in mind you're not going to save them all. Bear in mind you're not going to win every conversation. You're not going to uh, cause e every person you invite to show up, but keep doing it. Keep going out there. Keep spreading the seed. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Time is of the essence. We are living in the end days. And so with every opportunity we have, we need to tell somebody about the one who changed us. We need to tell people about the only way to heaven. We need to tell people about the only truth. There's not multiple truths. There's not multiple paths. There's one way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in these days, be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father.